Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Here's what the Bible says. This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Uh, have you heard anybody say recently, man, we are in the last days? Maybe you've said it yourself. Anybody hear that recently? See this coming? Um, we hear it a lot when things in the world are kind of going crazy, okay? This, no, also, in the last days, perilous times shall come. That word perilous means dangerous. Dangerous times, hard times. For men shall be, in these perilous times, in the last days, this is what men are going to be like. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous. That's an improper desire for things. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, those that take the Lord's name in vain, take God flippantly and carelessly, disobedient to parents, get to see some of that in my house, little kids falling down, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, and that of course is referring to um, Men seeking after men and women seeking after women. There's this love that's just not natural. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. Um, that means lacking self-control. Fierce, despisers of those that are good. You ever see in these days where things that are good are hated or looked down upon? Traitors, heady. Or proud, high-minded, okay? Heady, high-minded. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. All right, this is going to be interesting. Because that passage describes a lot of bad stuff. Anybody agree with me? In the last days, perilous times shall come. And then God says, listen, this is how men are going to be in the last days. This is what it's going to look like. This is a snapshot, would you, of how people will be living in the last days. And when we talk about last days in the Bible, it's talking about a time when we would expect Jesus to come back. Now, uh, we don't know when, right? We don't know when Jesus is coming back. He's coming soon, right? He can come at any time. There's nothing that needs to happen before he comes back. So, so we can rest assured we are in the last days. And when we read of this, we start in our minds to read words like covetous, boasters, blasphemers, without natural affection. And we start to think of our world around us right now. We think of stories we hear on the news. We, we think of those trending topics on Facebook. We think of the things that we're hearing about uh, at work, around the office, and those things that are going on right now. Now, I want to talk about something tonight, uh, these last days, and really our response to the last days and what, how we should be uh, handling ourselves. But I've noticed that when we read something like this, we read a list of sin. That word is terrible, sin, okay? When we read that, we begin to, I feel like I get a grimace on my face, like an angry face, like, a, oh yeah, blasphemy, oh yeah, proud, boasters, unholy. And we kind of get angry. And it's almost like we respond to a passage like this with a, a finger pointed, oh yeah, 
those people in the last days are going to be this way. Those people today are this way. We, we, we point fingers and we, we look at sinners kind of accusingly and we say, yep, there they are. There are the, the despisers of those that are good. Yep, there they are, the high-minded ones. And we see them and we hear about them in the news. And uh, what we tend to do is to kind of, all right, we're in the last days. Let's make it through. Uh, all right, we're in the last days. Let's kind of hunker down and just shield our eyes and get through this. This is so bad out there. It's the last days. Okay? So we tend to hope uh, to make it through instead of hoping to make a difference. See, in America right now, we face issues that are described in this passage. The last days. We, right now, uh, there's a lot of things that would bring to mind. Uh, we are dealing with circumstances that get our thoughts thinking toward these last days, like polarizing political candidates. Shall I dare say their names? I won't. I won't say it. It's bad, right? It's, these are bad. No. But we, we get upset, and we're all worked up, and we're wondering what in the world is happening. And we, we start to kind of scoot back from these things. So we've got political candidates and, and maybe how our country is going to go and what they're going to do if this person gets elected or what's going to happen if this person gets elected. One of the things we're dealing with right now is a, uh, a movement of rights for transgender people or, or those that aren't sure if they're male or female or they have questions about that. We're, we're hearing words we weren't used to hearing about like gender identity. Uh, what in the world is that, right? You, you had never heard that when you were a kid. We heard boy and girl. But now there's a, uh, a question out there of, ah, is, it, is, is, is it, am I a boy if I feel like a boy or a girl if I feel like a boy, uh, girl? Or what? You know, it's a confusion. But it's something we're facing and we're seeing this to be signs of the last days. A transgender rights movement. We, we're, uh, we're faced with uh, hashtag boycott target, you know, gender-neutral bathrooms or bathrooms that anyone can go into. And these are all things that get our minds stirred up. Does anybody get stirred up about these things? If you're a Christian, you just get your mind. What is happening? What is going on? Last days, okay? But what is our response to these things? How is our attitude, how is your attitude toward these circumstances? I believe that when we're faced with anything in life, we can always look to the Scripture for uh, a, a guidance or a direction on how we ought to respond, okay? Um, there's, there is a biblical response to times like these, okay? And, and so that's where I want to go. Um, let's go ahead and take a look in, in Matthew chapter 9. I want you to see how Jesus reacted uh, when he faced a group of people that were not like him. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, we're going to look in verse 35, but think about this. Jesus is ultimate holy, okay? He is the holy of holies. Jesus is the holy one. He doesn't know sin, but Jesus left heaven where there was no sin and came into this place. Traitors, heady, high-minded, covetous people, people that love pleasure more than they love God. Uh, people that live just like we have people now living uh, these sins of the last days. But I want you to see the response of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, the Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom 
and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I want you to see this here, that that Jesus, he was getting down there with people. He was out there. He wasn't in the place where he felt comfortable. See, what happens is when we come to church and we hang out with Christian people, uh, we kind of separate ourselves from people that aren't our way, okay? And, and the thing is, Jesus, he left some place called heaven, and he came down to earth to people that weren't his way. All because that's his, that his whole, sole focus, to seek and to save those that were lost. And when he saw them with their sicknesses, with their diseases, and with their sin, he reacted a certain way. The Bible says he reacted with compassion, because they fainted, they were scattered, they, they were directionless, they didn't have a shepherd. I want us to see tonight, and this is all in the introduction here, I want us to see that though the world is wicked, though there's sin and we can see, those people are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Those people, see the language we use, they have you know, not natural affection. Those people, uh, they see things this way, and that's not the way the Bible says. We ought to have a, a Bible response to those things. We ought to respond correctly, and if we respond correctly, we always follow the example of Jesus. Do you agree? Jesus set an example for us, and we ought to follow in his steps. See, here's what Jesus saw about these people. He saw people not as... You are wicked. You are terrible. Though sin is wicked and terrible and he was holy, there was a side of Jesus that showed compassion. There was a side of Jesus that recognized people were dealing with sin and people were sinning. Do you know all of these sins here that we read in 2 Timothy 2? Being boastful, proud, blaspheming God, being disobedient to parents not being able to control yourself, loving yourself more than God, loving things more than God. Do you know all of those fall under the category of sin? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. People are hurting because of these things. Let me explain. Um, we, we can hear the last days, perilous times shall come. People have all these sins. They're traitors. They're heady. They're high-minded. But you have to look at it through the eyes of Christ because he's not pointing a finger at them saying, bad, bad, bad. I need to stay away and hunker down. He's saying, no, pain, suffering. Sin is hurting these people. These people need direction. These people need what I have, okay? Never was Jesus' reaction to hunker down and avoid this culture or this sinful people of the last days. His, his, his goal was always to go for them. He was moved with compassion. Uh, compassion isn't just a feeling that you get inside in the Bible. The Bible word for compassion is a, is a word that takes action, okay? Um, but Jesus saw the world full of hurting people and he went to them. He always commands us 
to go into those places and to those people with the darkest of sins. In Matthew 28, what you would all claim to be your great commandment, the great commission, the, 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 the mission that God gave every Christian, he says the word, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Would you tell me, who in the world are you supposed to go to? Those people that are filled with all that sin in the last days. That's who? That's our target audience. That's, that, those are the people that we are here for. Um, he says in Mark sixteen fifteen, uh, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He doesn't tell us just get the ones that are kind of, they look kind of like Christians and maybe we could snatch them over real easy. Uh, you know, may, they, they're good and they have nice, nice looking families, so let's grab those people. He, he never says to avoid the sinful, sinful people. He, this, the, the group that we would say that's ruining America, and it is ruining America, but you know what? We're, we're not about this world, okay? This world is not our home. You have to be reminded that you're only here for a limited time, and your purpose is not to, uh, you know, build up your country, though we want to have a great country. Your purpose is to do God's purpose, to reach the people in the country, where you're at. And, and Jesus says, go to all of the people, not just the ones that look like us, but everybody, the ones with the worst sin, the ones with the problems, the ones that, that don't fit our mold, the ones that don't look like us, the ones that we probably wouldn't be friends with on any normal day. Those are the people Jesus is commanding us to go to. In uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. He's like, I'm going to say a, a broad general statement that everybody agrees with. And here's what it is. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Who's with me on that one? Yeah. Of whom I am chief, he said. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Let me explain that verse to you. He, he says that I am the chiefest of sinners. Paul says, you look at me, you look at my life, speaking as Paul. Paul says, look at me, look at the things that I've done. He, he was known as, as Saul. He was a murderer of Christians. He was a wicked man. He would be somebody that you could use words from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 to describe. These last day people. That was, that was Saul. But he said, here's what Jesus did. He took me, a really, really terrible person, and he set me as a pattern to show everyone else that would ever believe that God is patient and long-suffering to the worst of these. Okay, Jesus is caring to those people, and he is loving to those people, and he wants those people that we describe in the last days. Okay, That's who he wants. That's why he saved Paul, so he would tell us, so that Paul was an example to us that God wants to save those people. Are you with me? He said it was a pattern, a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. There's a few things that's encouraging to me. I know know I'm talking to Christians to say, go get other people, uh, but this is for you in here. If you feel like there's a sin that's in your life and you say, God can't forgive me of this sin or God could never save me, realize the apostle Paul said, I'm a pattern. If God saved me, God can save you. If God forgives me and God loves me and God wants to wash away all my filthy sin and make me righteous, well, God can do the same thing for you. 
And that's what he's saying in this passage. So I want to ask the question tonight. I know it's a little bit different start to a message. I want to ask the question tonight. We're living in the last days. We, we need to put on our Jesus glasses and, and look at people the way Jesus did. And he wants us to go after them. Um, I've been on staff here for six months, and um, I've, I've had the opportunity to interact with people that are new to our church, people that aren't church people, uh, people that come for the very first time, and, and they try and dress their best, and they try and put on a smile on Sunday. But when they come and talk to somebody one-on-one, they've got real problems. And I'm starting to, to realize and learn how, how that I am uh, unqualified and, and incapable of, of doing something for them. Uh, I'm starting to realize um, that, that these people are coming to church, and they're coming to church not because they just woke up one day and say, huh, let's go to church today. Nobody does that. We come to church because we have a need. We recognize our need for God. There's a problem. There's a pain that's being caused by my sin, whether it's my, my high-mindedness or whatever we read in the last days. These people, they have sin, and it's hurting them. And when they come to church, I'm realizing I'm unqualified. I'm asking the question, what do I offer them? Uh, how can I make a difference? And we see we have to make a difference. But I, I want to I I look at, really quick tonight, three practical steps to making a difference. Okay, Three practical steps to making a difference. How can you, as an individual do something about these people in the last days? How, how do you affect all of this terribleness going on? How do you help all of these people that are hurting in sin? How do you do it? What, what do you do? How, how does one make a difference or make a dent in this? Step number one. Real simple. You ready to get simple? Yeah? Should I have you stand up? You look like you're tired. Is it hot in here? All right. Step number one. Offer yourself to Jesus. Offer yourself to Jesus. Listen, I realize when, when I, I'm here with somebody and they, they, have, they have a problem with sin, whatever the problem is, there's a sin and it's hurting them in their marriage and their family's breaking apart or, or they have an addiction they're struggling with or they've got this terrible past that guilts them and plagues them. I ask myself, what do I have for them? And you know what the answer is? You know what I have for them? Nothing. I have nothing in and of myself to give to somebody that's going to change their life. So what do I do? Step one is I offer myself to God. I offer myself to Jesus. See, the very first thing you must do in order to make a difference is to offer yourself to the service of Jesus. We must surrender ourselves to Jesus in His plans. Maybe you have never, maybe you have never ever said a prayer to God and you say, God, my life, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. My life, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. You see, surrendering is kind of like waving the white flag. It's, it's what we do when we recognize that, well, Jesus is what our life is all about, and he's our Lord. Uh, we have an example of Saul, who became Paul in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 5, uh, it, the Bible says, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Uh, there was a time that you were getting pricked, okay? God was talking to you, 
And he was telling you about your sin and how it was painting your life and how he could save you and deliver you from it. And this is the passage where, listen, we, we, uh, we felt the, the conviction of God, but look at the question that Saul asked as soon as he is saved. Verse 6, And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Can you repeat that question with me? Ready? Go. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. You see, it's not us that the world needs. It's not us that your neighbor needs. It's, it's not something that you have. We are simply vessels of Jesus. So the very first thing you do, if you want to make a difference, is you have to offer yourself to Jesus. God, would you use me? Here am I, Lord. Send me. You have to be available. Um, one of the greatest abilities, you say, I don't have any abilities. One of the greatest abilities is availability, if you've never heard that. You need to make yourself available to God. You need to say, Jesus, I'm offering myself to you. That's step number one. Here's step number two. How do I make a difference? Well, I offer myself to Jesus, and then what? God is going to work through us so that I can offer Jesus to the world or to that person. I offer myself to Jesus, and then I can offer Jesus to the world. Our job is simply to not tell somebody what I have for them. It's to tell them what God has for them. In every situation, whether somebody comes with an addiction, whether somebody is your neighbor and they're, they're struggling with their kids or with their family, or, or somebody has an alcohol abuse problem or whatever it is, you know what the solution is? It's Jesus. We've got to take them to Jesus, and Jesus will fix them. Uh, Jesus will help them. Jesus will save them. In John one twenty nine, this is what John the Baptist. Now, a lot of people look to John the Baptist. He was preaching. He was preaching. He was the one that went before Christ. But here's what he did in John one twenty nine. Then the next day, uh, John seeth Jesus uh, coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. All of us can do that. If you surrender to Jesus, the only job you have after that, if you want to make a difference, is to point people to him. Listen, I, oh, I'm really struggling. You talk to somebody at work, um, and if you ask people, hey, what's going on? How can I pray for you? They will, they will tell you what's going on in their life. That's a key question. Uh, you'll see Pastor Tony ask folks at church. He'll say, he'll say well, is there anything that I can pray for you about? And as soon as you ask that question, they spill everything that's going on because they're dealing with something. And at that point, you know what you do? You offer them Jesus. Hey, man, I know you're going through this problem, but I know, I know who can help you. It's Jesus. Because at the root of every problem is sin. Sin causes them their pain. Sin causes them their shame and their guilt. And Jesus died on the cross for their sin. He was buried and he rose from the dead. He did all that because he loved them. And he wanted to help them with their sin. See, that's, that's all it is. Uh, uh, people that are uh, dealing with gender identity issues. People that are of a certain political way. And they've got political ideologies that run contrary to scripture, or, or people that have drug addictions. Do you know what that is? It's all sin. That's all it is. 
It's sin. It comes out different in you. Your sin may be lying or deceiving or whatever. Your sin may be pride uh, because you're able to cover up some things better than they are. But their sin, a lot of times, is open. It's very messy. But at the root of their problem always is sin. And the solution always is Jesus. Okay? So how do you make a difference? In the last days, you offer yourself to Jesus. Say, God, I'll do whatever you want. And that way, God can work through you and you can offer Jesus to the world. I want you to look in John chapter 1 at the very beginning. This is something I noticed. It may not be the, the most spiritual truth coming out of here, but I really like John chapter 1. It talks about Jesus coming. It says, in the beginning, John 1, 1 was the Word. And the Word was God. And the, wor- sorry, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Just in case you didn't know, Jesus is God, and he has full power and full ability to help you in any circumstance, and you can always have that behind you when you're talking to somebody about Jesus. The Bible says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And here's where it gets interesting, and you may not think this is interesting, but check it out. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Can you think of a more plain name than John? John. Look look at this. John. John realized that people in the Bible, they're just normal people just like you and I. They're they're people with problems and struggles and sins because we're all born in sin. So don't separate John from you. And this passage, it just brings it down. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. See, John was not the Savior. John didn't have the answers. John didn't have the fix. It wasn't him. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. The world knew him not. He came unto his own, and and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Realize this. God is able to reach to anybody in any sin, no matter what it is. And he wants to use normal people just like John, and normal people just like you, to reach them. You realize that? So all we have to do to make a difference, simply offer ourselves to Jesus. Be willing to be used. God, can you use me? Some of you might not think God can use you. All you have to be is available. Maybe maybe tonight you need to say the prayer. Not the prayer of salvation, not the sinner's prayer, but the, uh, the prayer that says, God, whatever you want, whatever you want from me, I'll be available. Whatever I have, I'm going to give it to you. Because you know what? That's all you have. You don't have anything more. You don't have anything less. All you can offer God is who you are and what you have. And he'll take you and use you. And then what you can do after you offer yourself to Jesus, you have the ability for God to work through you. You are not Jesus, but man, he can use you to reach someone. But the question is, where do we start? Offer ourselves to Jesus We can offer Jesus to the world. Here's where I want to leave you at, and we'll be done. 
possibly early tonight, and you'll thank me later. I want you to start with one. Start with one. You've probably heard the illustration, I may butcher it, but there's an illustration of a man uh, told, I've heard it many times in preaching sermons, where uh, there's a beach lined, and and down down lining the beach are these uh, starfish, and and they're outside of the water, and, and this man is going down the beach, and he's taking the starfish, and he's tossing them into the water, and he goes down, and he takes another one, and he tosses into the water, but if you look, you can see as far down as, as you can, there's just lining them, and if he doesn't toss them in the water, they're going to die, okay? Somebody comes up and asks him, what, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to make a difference in this. You're not going to be able to save all those starfish. Why are you doing that? And he says, you know, I saved that one. I got that one, made a difference for that one. It's just a principle. If you offer yourself to God, you have the ability to offer Jesus to the world. But I just want you to start. One of the most important things we can do is start. You can tell one family member. You can go talk to them. You can ask them if you can pray for them. You can offer one prayer to one person. You can sign up for VBS. And I know this is a shameless plug for VBS, but you should be involved. And you know what you can do? Just try and talk to one kid. Make one child your goal. This one child, I think I can reach this one. What do you do? What do I say? I don't know what to say to these kids. They're, they're all, what do I say to them? You just, just point them to Jesus. Tell them Jesus can help them. Jesus loves them. That's all you do. This is all preachers do is, lead, is tell people about Jesus. Pastor doesn't really have all too many answers when you come in for counseling. He just listens really well, and then he points you to God. That's all he does. Uh, he points you back to the Bible. Um, but you start with one. Um, you, can make, you can attempt this next Sunday to find one guest, one guest that no one is talking to, and you can talk to that one because you know what? There's, there's something that we, we need to do in the last days, okay? And it's not to shrink back. It's not to hunker down at church and hope that everything just goes away. We're to go to these people. It's something that's very strong on Pastor Tony's heart. It's the reason why we do Vacation Bible School. It's the reason why we do pretty much anything here at Fellowship. It's because we want to reach people, and Jesus told us to go. So my encourage to you is to offer yourself to Jesus so that you can offer Jesus to the world, but just start with one.